that this is not an exclusion or quarantine zone. No one is prohibited from entering or leaving the area. This does not affect individual homeowners or families or businesses. It is purely a prohibition on large gatherings in order to make sure that the spread of the virus is mitigated uh, to the greatest degree possible. Uh, from the beginning of this process, uh, the city of New Rochelle has made clear that we would work hand in glove with and take direction from state and county public health authorities, recognizing their greater expertise in this area. Uh, this particular measure is no exception. Uh, we support it, we will collaborate in implementing it, and we will make sure that it, it occurs in the smoothest fashion possible. From the Missionary Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. New Rochelle, New York, was one of the original coronavirus hotspots in the United States. And in this week's episode, Owensboro native and New Rochelle resident Kevin Eanes talks about living in that national hotspot. Stay with us. This is Inquire. graduated in 87 from Western and from there just kind of moved around a bit. Went to uh, work in Jackson, Tennessee for a few years and then to Iowa City, Iowa. Eventually spent uh, about 10 or 12 years in the Washington, D.C. area before moving up here to uh, New Rochelle, New York in uh, 2000. I believe it was. So, been in New Rochelle for about 12 years now. So, can you describe uh, you know, New Rochelle uh, prior to uh, the coronavirus? Um, well, it's a, it's a pretty good-sized city. It's about, I think the population is about 90,000. It's the second biggest city in Westchester County. Westchester has a population of just under a million, I think. But um, New Rochelle, you know, 80, 90,000 seems kind of big, but it's not. It has a small town feel to it. Um, and um, it's just a kind of a, a nice, I believe some people call it a bedroom community, or it's, you know, a, it's one of the first suburbs, I guess, of, of New York City. And a lot of people who live in New Rochelle commute into New York City to work, as, as do I and, and my wife. Um, and so it's uh, it's a commuter town. And a lot of people work in the city and they live here because you, know, you can have a backyard and trees. And, you know, it's a little more room spread out. Yeah, so I'm not, sh I'm not certain exactly when, you know, New Rochelle... Guess started uh, getting all the national attention, but around maybe March the tenth or so, uh, I remember seeing. I believe it was your mayor um, on 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 one of the national TV programs 
uh, talking about the situation there. Um, so when, I guess, did you and did your family start seeing the the changes and the the coronavirus starting to take over your city? Well, it was I think it was around March tenth, eleventh, or twelfth. I think it was um, that things really changed. Uh, you know. You, um, being in the news business, you know, I'm always reading the news and keeping up with local news, international news. And so I was, I was kind of tracking, tracking this, you know, and and watching how it was spreading around uh, uh, the rest of the the world, I guess. And I had that uh, Johns Hopkins map up on my desktop, and you could just see a few pinpoints in, in the U.S. and I think uh, Seattle was one of the first cases, but it. And Rochelle, I think, it was around the first first of March, I guess. It it started to get uh, serious. I guess there was someone who attended a someone um, who had attended a few events at a local synagogue, and uh, you know, from the fact that there were a lot of people at all those several events, you know, it just kind of spread in Rochelle. We were kind of the first hot spot, I guess, um, in the States. Maybe Seattle was the first hot spot, but uh, around March 10th or 11th, they started talking about the containment zone. And New York State, as we've established here tonight, has the most cases of the coronavirus in our country. The town of New Rochelle, about 25 miles north of where we are here in New York City, was an early epicenter of the outbreak. Five days ago, it became the first community in our country to set up a one-mile so-called containment zone to try to slow the spread of the infection. Um, my family and I had uh, we taken a trip down to D.C. that weekend before that. Um, and uh, when we got back, my daughter, I think she went to school for two days after that, the, the 10th and 11th, and then from there on, school's been closed since then. But uh, the containment zone was basically, um, you know, one mile in all directions from the synagogue where the, the, the first cases appear, I guess you would say. Um, and anything within that uh, circle, that one-mile circle, there are several schools and lots of churches. Uh, and uh, you know, those were advised not to hold events where large amounts of people would gather. So the schools in those areas were closed. Um, and... Uh, churches and gathering spots um, and it wasn't long after that that all of the schools in the, the New Rochelle School District uh, were closed and they've been closed ever since in fact today um, uh, New York uh, Governor Cuomo announced that uh, all schools in New York will be closed for the rest of the academic year so we were kind of expecting that but uh, that's the announcement was just made today how has it been for your family and um, since since then? And I don't know when you guys got the exact order um, that you guys were going to have to do similar uh, protocols. Yeah. Uh, well, just um, when they first started talking about the containment zone, I told the folks in my office uh, that 
shell, not within that original containment zone, but um, a few blocks away from it, you know. And uh, part of our routine was going to CBS and Starbucks and you know, dry cleaner and places like that, or doctor's office even, is uh, very close to the synagogue, you know. So, you know, we were, you know, we were thinking that we should, you know, stay in, you know, kind of hunker down. And my wife started working from home as well. And um, I, I guess that next week, my office advised all employees to work from home. So everyone's telecommuting. We, we still are. Um, but uh, as far as before and after has affected our lives, I mean, we were, um, before this, we were very busy. You know, my daughter, you know, to school five days a week, of course, and then she takes uh, uh, ballet as well. So she was at the ballet studio uh, five days a week as well. So there's a lot of you know picking up and dropping off and, and going here and there. And then my wife and I both commute into the city and back every day. So that's you know two train trips and subway rides you know, per day into the city and back. So pretty pretty busy. Um, and then, uh, since, um, they closed everything down, we're just staying at home. There, there are, aren't really restrictions about, I mean, there's social distancing restrictions. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to, I could go to the store and, you know, line up and they, they have special, uh, protocols at the stores now. But uh, we have chosen just to stay home and not really venture out uh, more than just to drop off some letters at a mailbox or uh, you know, roll the garbage out to the curb. My uh, mother-in-law lives with us, and she's 82. And um, yeah, when all this first happened, New Rochelle was such a hot spot. We just didn't want to risk anything, you know, getting her sick, us getting sick, you know, when because we came in contact with so many people on the train, you know, in the, the neighborhood of the synagogue, you know, where all of our, our you know, haunts were, I guess you would say, in the dance studio. We just had contact with so many people, you know, we just, we just figured that we should stay in and, you know, isolate ourselves, I guess. Quarantine's not the word because none of us ever had any symptoms or felt sick or anything thank goodness um, but uh, we're just not taking any chances and just trying to you know avoid you know any unnecessary contact keep everybody healthy i guess it's been gosh um uh, i don't know if you've tallied it up in your mind or not um was it close to 10 weeks or so? I mean, since I mean, you guys were able to do anything um, really beyond what you just described? I guess so, yeah. It was probably March March 11th or 12th, whenever the last uh, day was that my you know, daughter went to school. Because I remember, um, the, you know, we sort of stagger our shifts i go in really early. i would go in really early to work in the city and then and, and leave early my wife would go in late so i would you know, get home in time to take my daughter to uh, ballet or pick her up from from ballet if someone else had driven her there and i think um i remember taking her to ballet that tuesday 
which would have been uh, 10th or 11th, I can't remember. But uh, that was really the last time we had a regular routine, I guess, or old routine. Now, we kind of have a routine at home now, you know, we get up at a certain time and my daughter is distance learning and they have, uh, you know, real-time in-person classes by Google Google Hangout or Google Chat or uh, Zoom. Um, and, uh, you know, I have my little workspace carved out and my wife has her workspace carved out. So, <laughs> we're just adjusting. Now have you, have you started, um, I don't know, experiencing... I don't know what I guess what you would call cabin fever at all. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, I we did uh, I did take my daughter on a, a drive uh, just around the neighborhood when all of the uh, cherry blossoms started coming out. Because from our house, we could see a few down the street, you know. And we've been in the house for maybe a couple of weeks, three weeks already, maybe. And uh, so we, you know, we got our masks on and uh, just got in the car and drove around the neighborhood for, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes and then came home, didn't get out of the car. So, In fact, when I go out in the car now, I usually don't get out. I'll just drive up to a mailbox, drop something off, and then come back. Now that containment zone you described, I know that you that the, that the city there had a, at least in the beginning, and I don't know, you can tell me if they still do, but you had a pretty good presence of the National Guard there. So what was that like? The National Guard, we are told, uh, will be arriving in New Rochelle in order to assist with logistical and operational challenges that are associated uh, with this matter. Uh, we expect that that will be principally assisting with cleaning as well as with the delivery of meals uh, to students who may need school lunches and school breakfasts and therefore uh, would be affected by uh, school closings. Uh, the Guard will not have a military or policing function. As I indicated, they will be here to assist with logistics. Uh, the city itself has activated its emergency operations center so that we are ready to coordinate with the Guard and with other state authorities uh, to whatever degree they recommend and whatever degree would be constructed. Um, well, at first it sounded scary because it was like the National Guard is coming to New Rochelle, but they weren't really here in any sort of they policing on um, any sort of policing duty, what they were doing was helping uh, to um, hand out food. At, uh, there are several uh, spots around the city. The school district uh, worked with the city to come up with food distribution areas, and some of the National Guardsmen were there to help distribute that. And, um, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, you know, why aren't the schools closed? you know, before they made the decision to close them. And I think that the reasoning behind that was that, uh, you know, a lot of the kids in the school system rely on uh, reduced or free lunch, and the administrators were worried about hunger. So um, when they announced the containment zone, the National Guard was there to help distribute that. And I, they're still doing that. They're still, I'm not sure how many, there's, Maybe three, maybe four food distribution points around the city, uh, you know, three times a day. Uh, they're doing it in New York City, too, I think, for anyone who wants it, not just the students. But, um, you know, we, we never saw them. And uh, once we realized that it was just to help distribute food, we didn't think about it much. Just glad that they were there to help in the way that they were helping. 
Now, what about, um, you know, friends, coworkers? I mean, ha has anyone close to you been affected by the disease or contracted the, the disease? No, no one in our family has. Um, my wife, um, her oldest brother is a, a doctor in North Carolina, and uh, he, he, he's had a test. He does not, you know, he has a, doesn't have anything. Just a negative. Um, none of our family. Uh, um, one of uh, my co-workers, we have a relatively, relatively small office, and one of my co-workers tested positive. So someone sort of sits on the other side of the office, uh, don't have a lot of interaction, but that was a concern. Uh, and I believe this co-worker lost several members of her family mm. to the virus, but uh, she recovered. That is the only person that I know of, uh, you know, within our, our, our circle. There, there could be more, though, because I think, you know, other people are, uh, we don't have as much contact with people as we did before, you know, so, you know, as, you know, our uh, group text chats and, you know, the Facebook groups and that sort of thing, as far as I know, uh, uh, no one has. So has, uh, has Cuomo, has he begun to announce any kind of reopening strategy? Uh, you know, I missed his, uh, I missed his, um, press conference today, but, uh, there was a little bit of a group chatter, you know, text group chatter thing going for a while because he announced that all the New York schools would be closed for the rest of the year. But uh, I don't think if they do start opening things up slowly, it'll be in areas like upstate where there's less less cases and maybe they're in a better shape to open up. You know, not, the regions aren't as populous be able to handle it a little bit better. Uh, but I think they're just taking it, you know, a little bit by little and watching the curve to make sure, you know, they don't open up too soon and uh, get another spike in cases. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my I'll gosh. Um, I was just going to just kind of ask you about your, I mean, I know you talked about your concerns about going, but, but being that close to the city of New York that's experienced, you know, so much uh, death from this. And, um, I, I mean, I don't know, is it sort of surreal thinking about, you know, there's a place that I, you know, worked out of and visited every day and, and here, you know, all these people there are losing their lives to this, to this virus. I mean, I think it seems to, if you're this close to it, it seems to put more of a reality to it. And yeah, yeah, it does. And I can't, um, right now we just can't see ourselves going back into the city for a while. You know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, I can't, I don't know what the, the, the total number of people who have died in New York city, but I think it's, I mean, it's, it's more than you would, would want to consider. Um, I don't want to give you the wrong number. I was just looking at, uh, statistics, uh, before you called, uh, uh, and New York City is, is, is way.
Hmm. And our, uh, you know, Westchester County population is a little under a million. Even though it's, you know, the virus, of course, is here and we've had deaths here. Um, but it's just had a whole new magnitude where you are and they're in New York. And so I wanted uh, just to kind of hear from somebody, have our listeners hear from somebody who is, you know, who is pretty much that, you know, this close to it and, and can, and can kind of give a, just a real idea of what you're, or what you have experienced there. Well, yeah, it is really surreal when you, you watch TV and you, you know, uh, read the news, you see that they're setting up, you know, temporary morgues, <laughs> um, because uh, the overflow, they can't handle the, the number numbers and uh that you know we had the uh the navy ship i think it was the uss comfort mm-hmm. for a while i think that just uh that just left yesterday and um you know they converted the the convention center the Java's convention center into a temporary hospital that place is huge and that's where they have all the car shows and all the you know, photo shows and expos and things like that you know a lot of people when they come to new york they They'll come to a convention on business, and, you know, they've gone to the Javis Center. But um, the other thing that they just did is they're, they're going to start shutting down the subway in New York City from, I think, 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. every day to disinfect all of the, the trains and cars. And I think New York is one of the few cities in the world that has a subway that runs 24 hours a day. Um, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Um, so it's yeah, it's just things that you don't normally think about, you know, that are just so surreal. But they're coming, you know, one after another. So it, it it's a little bit numbing, you know. It's just you know what what, what to expect next. But I, I do think they're you know they're, they're they're doing the right thing by taking it slow and uh, you know not trying to you know open everything up again quickly. You know when they see it. A few new cases because we don't want uh, we don't want another spike in new infections. Yeah. So do you you said you mentioned uh, you work as you work as a journalist uh, there in New York? Yeah, I'm a a, a photo editor. Uh, in my career, I've been a, a photographer. I worked at the Messenger Inquirer for a while, actually, in the in the mid '80s as a photographer. And uh, did the same with newspapers in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, and Iowa City, Iowa. And, uh, so did you teach uh, uh, Greg, your brother, uh, who works for us, uh, everything he knows? Oh, uh, Greg could probably teach me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we just all, it, it wasn't planned, but we kind of ended up in the same same line of work. But, yeah, I'm a photo editor for a, a magazine. It's uh People in Owensboro probably know it. It's Guideposts magazine. It's an inspirational magazine. It's been around for a while. But um, and we have a few other magazines in, within the group. Uh, but I'm responsible for you know either researching and buying photography or you know assigning um, photographers to make pictures of our subjects and stories. So, so as a and we talk about this among among our colleagues here. You know, as journalists, you know we, you know we come to a, a you know a particular uh, place or situation, 
and you think, okay, I've seen it all now, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then something else comes along, right? <laughs> and, and right now, you know, the, this coronavirus would be the, uh, I guess, the I've seen it all, you know, uh, moment, uh, not just for us, but, you know, for the entire world. Um, so I'm always uh, hesitant to always say I've seen it all because, sure enough, you're right, you know, something yeah. else. I was talking to my wife this morning, and we were talking about how, you know, remember when we said, you know, on New Year's Eve, like, so long, 2019, you know, it was kind of a crazy year, and not that great a year, you know, <laughs> and now we're like, well, can we just get that back? <laughs> that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Kevin Eanes for joining me. To send us questions or to provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website, Facebook, and Apple Podcast, where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkins saying good day for Inquire. <laughs>